Thank you, Brother Rick, for those very kind words. Well, good morning. Y'all all right? So good to see you. It's good to be back at Limeville Baptist Church. I'm honored. What a privilege to be able to stand here before you this morning. Have a lot that I'd like to say, a lot I'd like to reminisce. But uh, just wanted to uh, let you know that I have not preached for the last three weeks. But I've been preparing this message for three weeks. So I hope you brought your picnic basket this morning. <laughs> you, you know I'm kidding. Partially. But uh, I do feel that I have a word from God. And so if it's okay with y'all, I'm just going to dive in. Is that, is that okay? Um, this sermon's going to be a little bit different uh, for me this morning. It's going to be part preaching and part testimony. Uh, a great man of God back a number of years ago, Dr. Stephen Olford, used to tell us preacher boys, preach from the overflow. What he was meaning by that is preach out of what God is doing in your life. As God works in you, allow him to speak and work through you to impact the lives of others as well. And then there are other preaching professors that would say, in your preaching, don't ever, don't ever use personal illustrations because that tends to call attention to yourself and away from the Lord. Well, I want to avoid doing that this morning, but I do want to share with you some things that God has been teaching me and some moments of personal testimony of how God has been working in my life. I've chosen the text that Brother Mark read this morning from Ephesians chapter 5. And in the King James Version, it says, uh, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Would you all agree with me this morning we're living in evil days? Well, there were evil days in the days when the Apostle Paul was writing this. So the nature of man has not, has not changed. But Paul says, even in the midst of living in evil days, you need to redeem the time. That means make the most of every opportunity that you have. How do you do that? Well, Paul has told us. He said, see that you walk circumspectly. The word circumspectly is an interesting word. The first part of it is circum, from which we get our word circle, or the word circumference, around. And then the last part of that, speckly, 
comes from the background of the world. You, any of y'all ever remember old timers talking about their spectacles? Yeah, let, let, let me find my specs to see. So what Paul was saying is be very careful that you're always seeing what's going on around you and in light of that, do not live unwise but as wise. There are only two options. We either live unwise or we live wise. You're either wise or you are otherwise. So I just ask you this morning, uh, do you live wisely or unwise? Now, I could start this morning by asking you the question, any of you ever made unwise choices? And I suppose none of us this morning would be able to say, never have I ever made an unwise. We've always had bad decisions. And yet, Moving forward, uh, can we in a very intentional way say in the future we are going to live wisely? I want to be a wise person. What's your decision-making process? About 20 years ago, uh, young pastor then named Andy Stanley. His dad was Charles Stanley. Many of you have seen Dr. Charles Stanley on TV. His son Andy started a church in Alpharetta, Georgia called North Point Church. And in one of the series that he preached and later compiled into a book, he pondered the question of decision-making. And Andy Stanley says, uh, in reality, we make decisions based on the answers to questions. Now, sometimes those questions are expressed. And then other times, those questions are implied, and yet we make decisions based on those answers. For instance, he said some people make decisions based on the question, what's the easiest thing to do? I've got something that I need to do, and so, uh, and so what I want to do is what's easiest. And the other people respond to the question, what is the popular thing to do? I, I want my friends to think well of me, and I want to be popular. So what's the popular decision? Uh, others would, would ask the question, what's the politically correct thing to do? And that would be, very prominent in our society today. What's the politically correct thing to do? Someone else might answer the question, what's the financially advantageous thing to do? What's, what's the best for the pocketbook? The financially advantageous thing to do. Someone else would say, I tell you what, I just follow my heart. What's my heart? telling me to do. And the problem with that is the scripture says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Be careful about following your heart. And somebody else might say, well, I, 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 wanna, I just answer, ask the question, what's the right thing to do? I just do that. What's the right thing? 
And again, the scripture says, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so as Andy Stanley did his research and all the surveying and all, he came up with one question. And the title of the book that he wrote was The Best Question Ever. And he made a strong assertion about this question. He said, this question will foolproof your life. This is a question that you can ask in any arena of your life, whether it's in your relationships, spiritual decisions, related to school, related to finances, related to church. You apply this question and you'll make the right decision. Would you all be interested in knowing what that question was? Here's the question. What is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? I want to explore that with you just for a few minutes this morning. The best question ever, the, what is the wise thing to do? And when we talk about wisdom, well, what, is, what is wisdom? I love the the definition that uh, Adrian Rogers uh, gave to wisdom. He said, wisdom is viewing life from God's perspective. Wisdom is viewing life from God's perspective. Dr. Billy Graham said this. He said, we get knowledge on a horizontal level. Uh, you, you go to school and you learn from teachers. You learn from other people. Uh, but, but he said you don't get wisdom in a classroom. You get intelligence and knowledge on a horizontal level, but you get wisdom on a vertical level. Wisdom comes from God. And I just want to tell you this morning that God loves you. We sang about the love of God this morning. Thank you for, for leading us and helping us to be a part in this praise team this morning as we lifted high and holy the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank God for, for, for Jesus. Our wisdom comes from above. And I just want to say to you this morning, in case you're wondering, you can be a wise person. You can be a wise person. Not in your own strength, not in your own power, but through the Lord, you can be a wise person. Now, how do you get to be a wise person? James tells us. In chapter 1, he says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. In other words, if you lack wisdom, if you really want to be wise in your decisions, you could go to God, and God will grant you what the Bible said. James said, it shall be given to him. 
So how does God do that? How does God give us wisdom? Well, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 9, Psalm 111, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It, it, being wise always begins by your understanding of who God is. I want you to listen to me real carefully. God is not your good buddy. We, we live in Alex City and we have an early morning um, program that we listen to just to get the news and stuff that's going on around, around our community. But the, uh, the moderator of that program almost every morning will talk about he had talked with the man upstairs. And, and every time he says that there's something on the inside of me that just resists that. Let me tell you this morning, God is not a man. God made man. We may tend to try to bring God down to our level so we can manipulate him to get him to do what we want done, but that will never work. God is not a man. God is God. Just in case you're wondering, he's not in the... He's not upstairs. Well, he is upstairs, but he's also downstairs. He's in the next room. He's in the next house. He's across the street. He's across town. He's across the... God's everywhere. And the Bible says, based on who he is... That we are to, that when it says to fear God, it's not talking about just being afraid of God. It's talking about a holy reverence for God. To acknowledge who He is and to worship Him because of who He is. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. How does God give us wisdom? Two primary ways, resources that God has given us to be able to live wisely. And one of those resources is the Word of God. Dr. Henry Blackaby many years ago wrote the study Experiencing God. He talked about how God speaks to us. God speaks to us, to us through, uh, uh, through circumstances. God speaks to us through people. God speaks to us through the church. But God speaks to us through His Word. And regardless of the other ways that God may speak to you, he will never speak contrary to his word. And the second resource that God has so graciously given to us is his Holy Spirit. When you were saved, God put the Holy Spirit in your spirit. And he's still there. If you're saved today, the Spirit of God abides in you. And so, and so based on those two, 
God's resources for gaining and living in wisdom, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Now I want to illustrate that. In, in what I've been observing and a part of the last few weeks, a few weeks ago, our grandson Clark had his 14th birthday. And uh, Clark's been growing. Okay? And, and for the last year or so, he, he come up to his papa and uh, he just sort of gauged how tall he was. Now, a good long while ago, he done passed his Gigi. Okay? Yeah, he, he'll, he'll, he'll walk up to his Gigi and he'll walk over next to her and he'll And, so, and sometimes he'll say, Shorty. <laughs> but just a few weeks ago, I was standing in the kitchen and Clark walked up. And for the first time, he realized he was as tall as me. Papa, I'm as tall as you. I said, well, Clark, what do you think that means? Papa, that means I can take you. <laughs> Would you say that one more time? <laughs> it means I can take you. Now, I want to tell you, the old flesh is rising up. <laughs> okay. I, I, I won't go into detail because of time. I won't go into detail of what I, was, what I was about to say, but what I did say is, Clark, I want you to listen to me. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. He said, sir, I said, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. He said, Papa, what's a haughty spirit? I said, Clark, a haughty spirit is an arrogant and rude attitude. I said, and I want you to give that back to me. I said, pride goes before what? He said, destruction. And a haughty spirit before what? He said, a fall. And a couple of days later, it was back at the, at the house, and I said, uh, Clark, let's, let's think about our verse now. Pride goes before what? He said, destruction. And a haughty spirit before what? He said, a fall. And then a day or so after that, I was, I was getting ready for bed. And my phone dinged. In other words, it was a text. And I picked my phone up, and it was Clark. It sent me a text. And I opened it up. And it's a screenshot of a Bible app that said Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. I said, I believe he's got it. I believe he's got it. 
Now, we're going to go back and we're going to reinforce that. And then um, the first of last week, They were at the house for supper. Jeannie had cooked supper. You know, we've learned if you cook for them, they'll come. <laughs> and so uh, we, we had uh, finished supper, and we were just around the table just fellowshipping, just talking, and uh, Clark and Maggie, his sister, over in the den, and all of a sudden Clark speaks up. He said, Papa, I said, I got a proposition for you. I said, Clark, what's that? You got to understand, Clark. Clark is in the ninth grade, and he does not like school. There's nothing about school. He thinks it's an absolute waste of time. The only redeeming quality about school is baseball. But 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 his parents, and mainly his mother put him in some advanced classes in school. And he said, Papa, you know, I, I'm taking these advanced classes. and says, some of them you can even uh, get, get college credit for. He said, but you know, it's really tough. He said, but you know what Mom and Daddy have agreed to? If I make all A's, they'll give me $100. Y'all know what's coming? I said, well, you know, that's, that's just real nice. He said, Papa, I just thought you might be good for 25 or 50. <laughs> well, I thought I was getting off light with going from 100 down to 25 or 50. And I said, uh, Clark, I'll tell, tell you what we'll do. You come in with all A's, and I'm good for $50 if you'll do one other thing. What's that, Papa? Memorize Psalm 1. He said, the whole chapter? I said, it's not that long. He said, well, what's Psalm 1 say? I said, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Hey, you know what the law of the Lord is, Clark? He said, no, sir. I said, it's the Bible. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaves also shall not perish, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that's driven by the wind. Friday afternoon, this past Friday, Clark came in from school, and I was on the uh, back porch, and he came out to speak to me. I said, uh, Clark, pride. He said, 
goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. I said, have you memorized Psalm 1 yet? He said, that's a, that's a little bit bigger challenge. And he sat down over next to me and took out his phone and found Psalm 1, and he began to read Psalm 1. And when he got down to the place of saying, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I said, whoa, whoa, right there. What does that mean? Clark said, it means not to listen to ungodly people. But what does he delight in? He delights in the law of the Lord. Clark, where do you get your instructions when you make decisions? Where do you get your instructions? You get it from the Bible. And if you'll do that, you'll be like that tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. And whatsoever he doeth, whatsoever he does, whatsoever he does shall prosper. I want to tell you, that's a promise of God. And why did I do that? Why don't I just go out in the yard and play baseball with him? Because Clark's going to come to a place in his life where he has critical decisions to make. He's going to make decisions that are either unwise or wise. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. You, you can go in your own understanding or you can all of your ways acknowledge him and let him direct your paths and he does that. I want to tell you, when, it, when, when, when he comes to the place of making that critical decision, if we have poured in and invested the word of God and implanted the word of God down in his spirit, when he comes to that critical decision. I believe that the Holy Spirit of God will bring that verse back to his mind. And at least he'll have the choice and will make a right, a wise decision. I want to tell you, you can make wise decisions too. The key is to get the Word of God down in your spirit. Now, if tomorrow morning I walked into First State Bank and I walked up to the teller and I said, uh, my name's Larry Cummings. I've come to withdraw $1,000. That teller would look at me and say, uh, what's your account number? Well, I don't have an account. I just come to withdraw $1,000. What do you think she'd do? She'd walk away. And she'd go over there and get Rick Watley or Mark Griffin or 
Ben Burton, Steve Foster. She said, there's a nut out here. He's wanting to take out what he hadn't put in. That's the most illogical thing. You can't take out what you hadn't put in. And I'm telling you deep down in your spirit, there is a reservoir that you can put the Word of God that you don't have to live as unwise. You can live as wise and teach your children and your grandchildren to do the same. I'm over time. Let me bring this plane in. Planes come in for a landing. Here's the question. What's the wise thing for you to do? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, the most unwise thing for you to do is to leave here without Christ. The wise thing for you to do is to open up your heart And ask Jesus to come into your heart. Jesus, I've made unwise decisions. I've sinned. Jesus, I believe you've died for my sins. And right now, I want to turn from my sin and I want to trust you as the Savior and Lord of my... Jesus, would you come into my heart? And I will live for you and I will serve you. No doubt about it. That's the wise thing to do. If you've done that, but you've never publicly acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Savior, the wise thing for you to do is to walk down the aisle of this church and take the hand of one of these men that will be standing here in the front and say, I want to publicly confess that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Some of you have been coming to this church perhaps for a while and you, you've not yet made that commitment toward church membership. But, but you feel like that. That's what you feel the Lord leading you to do. The wise thing is you to go ahead and do what God is leading you to do. Maybe there are other decisions. Maybe there are people that just need to come to the altar and say, you know, I've struggled and I've tried and I've tried to do make right choices and decisions and now I just want to lay, I want to do the wise, I want to Peter said it this way, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you.